Well, the way they pick TV shows is they make one show. That show's called a pilot. Then they show that one show to the people who pick shows. And on the strength of that one show, they decide if they want to make more shows. Some get chosen and become television programs. Some don't. Come nothing. Hello and welcome to the 8th episode of the Pilot Season Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jen. And this is the podcast where we watch an episode, the first episode of a television series, and talk about it. Whether we liked it or not, you know, we talk about old shows, new shows, obscure shows, failed shows, we talk about everything. Um, This week was my week to pick. And I picked, actually it was a suggestion uh, from a few weeks ago from one of our friends and listeners, the the man only known as Hetch. <laughs> um, he suggested the classic 80s action television show, The A-Team. Uh, this was pretty much a no-brainer for me because... I grew up watching the A-Team. I played A-Team in grade school on the playground during recess. Um, it, it was a, you know, it was on during my formative years, and it. I probably, I mean, I haven't watched it since I was a kid, so it's been a, it's been a solid thirty plus years since I've watched this show. Now, I don't know if you have any... If you, if you watched it, your brothers, your dad, if anybody watched this show while you were growing up, if you have any memories or recollection. We definitely watched the show. Um, I'm fairly certain I've never seen the first episode before today. I think it... it you know, kind of like some of the other 80s shows that we watched, I think this was... A case of, you know, their age, and when I say their, like my brothers uh, versus my age at the time, I um, was only, this said 1983, which makes me only seven years old. Mm -hmm. So, again, kind of one of those things where I'm not sure that seven year old little Jenny would have picked this show per se, but seven-year-old Jenny didn't pick any shows (laughs) because, you know, my dad and my brothers kind of called most of the shots with what we watch on television. However, I watched it with them and I did like it. Um, but, But again, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen the first episode. I feel like it was one of those things where whether I didn't get into it until later or maybe we all as a family didn't get into it until later, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Um... But yeah, I've definitely um, have watched the show, but not this episode. Okay. And what's interesting is if you if you look at the time and when this show aired, not the like actual time of day, but the era. Um, this was you know the early '80s. It was 1983. It was you know ten, only ten years after the Vietnam War had ended, and which plays heavily into the the premise of the show in which um, four um, army rangers are uh, 
framed for or they're they're being chased for a crime they didn't commit and they're on the run and they make their way as soldiers of fortune they're kind of almost like this um living legend or this you know like a like a folk tale it's like there, you know, um, you have to know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy <laughs> in order to find them. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of neat, like, uh, yeah, like, you know, Robin Hood sort of, you know. I was just thinking Robin Hood, and I think as a child, I would not have understood Vietnam, mm-hmm. what it means to be framed, you know, for a crime that you didn't commit and to be on the run and whatever. But what I got was they sometimes did bad things to overall do something good for someone now like robin hood yeah and and i'm going to speak in in broad terms from what i remember watching the show in general um i don't think they ever collected money from anybody (laughs) they always seemed to be helping someone who was being you know beat down by you know, a rich land developer, or uh, you know, just bullies. You know, it was it was always the A team helping the poor and oppressed against a bully, against someone who was bigger, stronger, meaner, richer, whatever. And that was their thing. And you just, I don't think they ever collected a dime from anybody. Well, maybe um, that makes them a little bit more, um, you know, likable, endearing, whatever. You know, they're, they come off like we're in it for the money. I mean, just watching one episode, yeah. okay, you want to hire us? And they came up, I think the figure was like $150,000. And then as events transpired, she only had 25000 And gee whiz, you don't have the money, but okay. We're in it. Let's do it. Yeah, they they you did know. the job anyway. They they almost kind of teased her, saying, "Well, I guess we should just turn this plan around right now." Um, so I guess they have to have a little spending cash to do all the things that they do. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's really not about the money. They, I, I was kind of thinking of, of about this and watching the episode, and it's almost like it was an early '80s more action-y version of, like, an Ocean's Eleven. Like, every week, every episode, they they took a job, and they pretty much had to improvise everything. So, you know, there it was, it was almost like everything was, um, you know, they were always scrambling or hustling kind or... Kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Yeah, and yeah, they, you know, and... Uh, Ironically, you know, Hannibal's, you know, the leader, Hannibal Smith, his catchphrase is, I love it when a plan comes together, but it almost never seems like they have a plan. <laughs> um, so, well, getting back to the pilot, so this was, um, this was a long one, because it was originally aired as a two-hour TV movie in 1983, and when they when it was syndicated, when it was you know syndicated to television, they broke it up into two parts, and that's the way Netflix has it. It was uh, 
it's not just titled pilot like most show, most episodes are. Uh, this was the, the title of this episode was Mexican Sleigh Ride. <laughs> Sleigh is an S L A Y ride. Um, parts one and two, um, and I thought it started out kind of slow, but once you know we got about halfway through the first part. I thought it, you know, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it picked up speed and it, it had a pretty good pace. Um, the, the, the basic story is you've got a, a reporter, a newspaper reporter, um, which is funny because again, this just goes back to showing, like, what a newspaper meant and what a newspaper reporter meant back in the day, like 30 years ago. Like a newspaper reporter was considered, you know, someone with power. You yeah, know, someone who could wield the power of their newspaper or their news program, you know, that they, they had that. Um, not so much today. Right. It doesn't really work like that today. Right. Uh, you can't really say, you know, the, the power of, you know, no one goes around brandishing the power of their blog or their website. I work for the Trib. <laughs> yeah, that's that's if you're lucky enough to have a city that still has a uh, a newspaper that hasn't folded. <laughs> um, but th- this uh, newspaper reporter, Amy Allen, has a colleague who has disappeared in Mexico, uh, supposedly on a story. So she uh, she hunts down the you know the 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 A team and hires them to help her get her friend back. Uh, so we've got the the leader, Colonel John Hannibal Smith, played by the uh, awesome George Pappard. You've got uh, t- uh, Lieutenant uh, Templeton Faceman Peck, who was not, and, and this pilot was not played by... And that, uh, Dirk, side note... Dirk Benedict. That's another reason I know I've never seen this before, because we're watching, and I was like, wait a second... Yeah. This isn't the guy who plays face. Right. That's pretty important. There's a different face man in the pilot. Uh, the original face man was played by an actor named Tim Dunnigan. And according to IMDb, he was replaced by Dirk Benedict because they felt that he was too young to play a Vietnam vet, which apparently he was because, again, according to IMDb, the actor Tim Dunnigan said that he was a sophomore in high school when the Vietnam War ended. So okay. they thought he was uh, too young and too tall to be a Vietnam vet. Too tall? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't I'm, really notice him as towering above the others. No, but I didn't either, but, but that was a thing. Hmm. Again, it's IMDb, so I, I think you have to take some of it with a grain of salt because I think some of it is um, submitted by just people right. like us. Um, you've got Captain Howling Mad Murdoch, played by Dwight Schultz. Um, I, I wrote it out in here. I forgot how much I loved Murdoch. <laughs> he was, I mean, and Dwight Schultz is, he really does a lot of, you know, a lot of crazy stuff, like a lot of humor. I mean, he, and he really, I don't know if he's got a background in humor, but he's a funny actor. Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself here because we're just kind of like explaining the story of the pilot right now. But everything I want to talk about has to do with the characters. 
and the four main characters and their their quirks and their characteristics and mm-hmm. you know just I don't that to me that's like what makes this show and that's that's Murdoch that's the, all of them mm-hmm. but I hear what you're saying um I forgot how much I liked I remember thinking Face was a good-looking guy as a mm-hmm. whatever I was 7 8 9 years old watching this <laughs> but what we saw today was not that guy um, so I didn't really like have any kind of connection with him, but as I was watching, you know, Murdoch and Hannibal, I was remembering how much I love them, and I really think it had to do with the character, the way the characters were written, and mm-hmm. just their each one had this unique personality, a unique, right, you know, unique set of characteristics that makes them likable. Mm-hmm. Right. Aside from their own, like everyone has their skill set. Um, oh, and, well. Last but not least, uh, you've got um, <clears throat> B. A. Baracus, who is Mister T. Bad attitude. Bad attitude. Bosco. Is yeah. Name. Bosco. Yep. Um, Which I don't think I ever knew. I just knew he was B. A. Yeah, and apparently um, Murdoch doesn't have a first name ever hmm. in the show. Interesting. No one. He's only ever. Um, Referred to as Howling Mad or sometimes HM, as he was in the pilot. Right, a couple he called times. yeah. They called um, him HM or just Murdoch. Hmm. Or fool. Yeah. <laughs> hey fool, you can't drive. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. I I kind of I wrote that too. I said that um, the team, even with the faced man that I did not recognize, I thought they had a really good chemistry. Yeah, I didn't hate that guy. No, I didn't either. I thought he was actually. I was waiting for the point when I was going to hate him. I was waiting for the point where I would go, "Okay, I get it. Now I know why they replaced him." No, he would. He would have been. Really, wasn't bad. He would have been a good face man. And I'm sorry, I don't think the man was too tall. I'll give you too (laughs) young. Definitely too young. Yeah, he he definitely had the. He yeah, if he had looked maybe just a little more rugged, maybe his hair was a little too feathered. For being yeah. a, a you know a Vietnam vet, maybe he, they could have roughed him up a little bit. <laughs> Too feathered. Yeah, love it. Yeah, there was some feathered hair in this. I mean, come on, it was the early '80s. 1983. We were only a few years out of the '70s, so. And that that's a whole other element to, you know, the last two hours that we just sat here. Mm-hmm. I was just like feeling of nostalgia, like oh, left yeah. and right. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I I was like I couldn't even handle it. But between the feathered hair and, you know, some of the music and the cars and the clothing and, yeah. you know, I came out of that, like... It was pretty amazing. Pretty excited, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and, and the, and I guess kind of the the running gag, if you will, well, there, there's a lot of running gags in the A-Team, and I, I wrote as many down as I could think of. This one I, I didn't write down, but the other character you kind of see... Or the you know the kind of foil that they have um, as part of the show is they're they're always being chased by, by the military. So there was the colonel who was chasing them down with the military police, who he got made to look like a fool at every turn. Um, now I know that eventually becomes a thing later on in the series. Like I want to say they end up they get captured at one point by the military, or they end up 
working with the military or like a faction of the military. It, it, it does become a thing at some point, but um, there's always a Colonel Lynch after them. Um, Lynch is always, you know, he's just right, he's just two steps behind. You know, it's he's like, he's pulling up just as the ATM are leaving type of right. thing. Um, but... So the, so here's so here's a bunch of things that that happen in almost every episode. So you almost always have Hannibal in some sort of disguise. Now in this one, he he was in two disguises: the uh, the bum slash wino who tries to first interacts with uh, the reporter to, to kind of feel her out to get a to try and get a bead on her. I, I think like her character is what, what was I what I felt. Because he was like, yeah, I he think was he was down deciding on he, if he they wanted to, to work with her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he was the awful racist Mr. Lee, the <laughs> the Chinese laundry or dry cleaner, who um, you, Mr. Lee, like the character of Mr. Lee in the show, um, is is always the client's point of contact with the A-team. Like, you have to go through Mr. Lee to hire the team. No one, for some reason, no one notices that Mr. Lee is not actually Asian. Um, <laughs> but apparently, again, according to IMDb, this is the only episode in which you see Hannibal portraying Mr. Lee. He's, hmm. he's you know, um, you know, like when they in subsequent episodes when, you know, they'll meet a client and they'll say, um, Mr. Lee recommended you, or or, or Hannibal will say, uh, Mr. Lee said you were nice, or, you know, you'd be good to work for, or whatever. Like, so, it's like he kept up the pretense of Mr. Lee as a barrier between the team and the public. But I'm thinking, you know, because... The, the reporter has to, you know, she interacts with Mr. Lee. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how good of a reporter is she? She can't tell that it's Hannibal. Right. Or, like, any white you have man. any observational yeah, skills have, here. Have you ever met an Asian person before? Is what I'm thinking. Because, um, <laughs> you know, because uh, eventually he comes clean and he does the Mr. Lee accent to her on the plane. And she's like... You son of a bitch. Like, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you always see Hannibal in a disguise. At some point, I don't know if that was contractually written into, you know, the show. Um, multiple car chases, flips, and crashes. I counted 11 flips and crashes. Oh, I didn't know we were playing a game. I would have been counting two. I, I would. And, because... side note, 11 sounds low. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were only four car chases. Okay, but 11 flips? Mm-hmm. There were, some of those sequences, like three Jeeps flipped in one sequence, like 11 well, yeah, sounds a low lot, to me. A lot happened at the end. Um, yeah, there were a lot more when the when the gorillas were chasing them at the end, there were a lot more because... We might need to rewatch this and count again. <laughs> um, the uh, Another trope of the show is the team inspiring a person, or in this case, an entire town, to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and rise against the bully. Do I do I get to talk about Mr. T right now? Please, because I, I think I, I probably have a note about that as well. 
So what I said before about their like their characters and you know they they have this front like we're these tough you know we're ex soldiers da 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 and like Mr T there's just so much there like first off I wrote in my notes B A motivational speaker oh my god I wrote the same I said <laughs> I said Mr. T gives a good motiv- motivational speech I mean it was fabulous so they go to Mexico and there's this whole village that's basically you know they're treated they're poor farmers poorly exactly and, you know yeah. and they're under the thumb of this you know awful person um and they're like oh we can't do it no we can't fight back we're gonna lose and B.A. gets up there, and he just goes on for a couple mm-hmm. minutes. And I'm telling you, I want to replay that sequence because it was like, I'm telling you, I was inspired. It made me want to get up and do something. Oh, heck yeah. You know, and like, next thing you know, instead of three villagers, five vill- villagers, the whole place is like, woo! Yeah. yeah like, we can do this. Mm-hmm. Because... Mr. T just gave, gave us, like, the best motivational speech that we've ever heard. Eventually, we don't have to watch the... Well, I, I personally like it. It's, it's another... It's, a, it's an 80s movie called DC Cab that he's in. We should watch it sometime. There, He's in it, and he... Towards the end, he gives another, like, a great motivational speech. It really it gets you pumped up. Yeah. It's like that that scene ended and I was like, damn, I love some Mr. Bear too. Right. And then there's the whole thing with the kids. And that was the he other thing that I loved about his character because he's all, you know, he's B.A., bad attitude, like, mm. you know, muscles and angry all the time and complaining. And, and you see him, you know, at home, if you will. He's, you know, I don't know, what was he doing? Working on a car or a truck or whatever. Mm-hmm. Surrounded by like 15 kids who were hanging on his every word. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, mm, gotta go. Because they get the, the code message. Which um, I thought was really cool. Yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed that too. That was pretty How neat. The, each of them individually pieced together what Hannibal... Hannibal had called into a radio show... Yeah, pretending to be. It was like it was like a like, like a, a talk show, like a yeah. psychology talk show, right? And gives this whole spiel about you know what awful thing is happening in his life, but gives enough information like in code that the rest of the team knows exactly where to be yeah, and when exactly. And so BA's there with this like tribe of of neighborhood children who adore him, mm-hmm. and he's like, "All right, check you guys later. I gotta go." Mm-hmm. And, like, it's kind of sad, you know, because all the kids, like, you're like, but the kids, but the, but the kid, okay, okay, you'll be back, you know. Mm-hmm. Then they go to Mexico, and that might have been, like, my favorite part with the kids, because he's turning around, these kids are following him, mm-hmm. and he turns around, gives them, like, a Mr. T look. It happens again two, three times, whatever. And then he's like, okay, you can help me. He doesn't need help. He's B.A. He's carrying this thing that weighs yeah, like a million he's pounds. He's carrying a pipe, and these kids are like barely touching it. But like, he's All like, right, you can help me. You know, I'm going to make this feel good. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he, he's just, he just exudes that like just big teddy bearness. Like you just, 
You just want to hang out with him. And then when Amy, the reporter, said something to him about the kids, he actually smiled. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit giddy. And then he said, I love kids, you know, which you didn't even need to yeah, say. because it's almost like he's a big kid himself. Yeah. You know? Um, so that, well, that kind of transitions to the other thing that you always see on an A-team show is they're always building something. They're always improvising. And I, I mentioned this earlier that they're always like, you know, you'll see them doing like, they'll like MacGyver stuff in every episode. They'll be building like weapons out of like pipes and socks filled with, you know, basic household items and and trip wires and gadgets and and yeah it's like that's because they're these awesome like special forces dudes and like that's what they do you know that's what they know how to do um and the two the two kind of uh quotes or whatever that you always that you hear almost every show i mean um i love it when a plan comes together and uh, he's on the jazz, or he's you know, like they 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 use the word or the phrase the jazz. Like it's like the you know you get pumped up from like doing this soldier of fortune mercenary stuff, but you know they're really just helping people. You know. Well, it's funny because the the first quote I love it when a plan comes together. I remember that mm-hmm. from way back. I don't I didn't remember the jazz thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have, and they mentioned it a couple times in this episode, but I don't think that, ha- you know, if I had not watched this, I never would have remembered that, but I would have remembered the first quote, like, I've said it. I feel know? like everybody remembers that. Yeah. Y- you know, I love it when a plan comes together. I feel like that's a, that's just, that's in our cultural zeitgeist. It's just something that everybody knows what that is from, or, you know, or who said it. Um the uh the continual uh roofing hoping of BA to get him on a plane i don't know what that's doing to his body <laughs> i mean i'm you know i hope he's okay but that's always a funny thing like how you know they always have to get inventive at least you know throughout the show how they get him on planes and off planes and how they adjusted his watch so he thought it was like two days later, you know, that they drove, you know, from Los Angeles to Mexico or something, <laughs> and he's like, it's Friday? He kept saying it, like, it's Friday? three times in a row, he's like, it's, fr- it's it really Friday? Friday? Yeah, that was funny. Um, and then, uh, you know, one of my favorite things is that everybody's shooting guns, no one gets shot. No one, no one gets hurt. Yeah. No one gets shot. The if, worst thing that happens is like they shoot a, like a couple of tires get shot out, a couple of headlights get shot out. That, you know, they're throwing grenades, they're shooting <laughs> rocket launchers. Um, it was like they they kind of wanted in this show they wanted the best of both worlds. They wanted to have like the guys that are like tough like Rambo, but still, you know, but they but still like sensitive like like Alan Alda from Mash or something. It was like. You know they, you know, but you know it was a network show, so you're not going to show people getting blown apart. Um, but it it is funny that, you know, that 
all these vehicles get flipped and they just like the guys are like I'm okay you know they just crawl right out and, yeah. the, and the, half of them were jeeps that were like no pr- like there's, no there's protection no roof. yeah <laughs> um but yeah but like I said like everyone's getting shot at no one gets shot and you know like I kept thinking about you know how do I feel about this show what's good what's bad and I kept thinking about the effects and I feel like or the you know what you said about how no one ever really gets hurt and or there were definitely a couple of times where someone threw a punch and yeah that wasn't great mm-hmm. you know you could tell it was just fake yeah um and so part of me thought this is why I shouldn't like the show but I don't care <laughs> like <laughs> everything that I I love about the show outweighs the, I don't even yeah. want to say like cheesiness factor, but there's a there's there a, is, there you is know. a che- there is a certain cheese factor to it because I I even wrote that down that you know it was just as fun but just as cheesy as I remember you know the the fights and the stunt work um, you know that not it, it was what it was for the time I mm-hmm. mean it was we didn't we didn't question it we didn't not enjoy it growing up I mean. And it was still fun. I mean, the 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 bar fight uh, again. It was you know it, it was just fun because you know B A kicks the door down and you think oh these you know all these Mexicans are going to be afraid of this big black dude that comes in and you know and they then, have their own B A yeah and then they they <laughs> they call for this guy who's like two heads taller than B A and. You know they're facing off, and BA just turns around and looks at Hannibal, and he's he just kind of like he says, "You want him?" You know, like they, you know, they're they're in this terrible situation, but they're still kind of like not cracking jokes, but they're not, you know, they're not worried, you know, and and um and I kind of like that they didn't didn't win the bar fight. Yeah. That they, they kind of got the crap kicked out of them. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the other thing is they uh, they they don't always have a plan, but a plan, not to sound cheesy here, but comes together. Yeah, it forms. But it also, like, gets screwed up, like, six times mm-hmm. between point A and point B. You know, yeah. there's, there's definitely, you know, that, that I think that, like, adds to the story, you know, mm-hmm. keeps you keeps you interested. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're not supermen, you know, they they screw up just as as much as they as they win or they um are foiled just as often as they win. I mean, they're um you know, like they <laughs> you know, when when Murdoch and <clears throat> Face are uh flying the crop duster and they have this um, machine gun mounted to it. They they basically shoot themselves down after a while because the the timing chain that allows the machine gun to shoot between the propellers or between the propeller um, eventually become you know, the timing chain is you know whatever screwed up. So they face basically blows apart the propeller. And they have to land. I mean, they can't, you know, they can't keep flying. Um, but yeah, it's just, and you know, they, um, or when they're when 
the team is driving their giant armored bus that they somehow put together <laughs> um, when they're chasing the the gorillas and they you know they they think they have them uh, chased out and beat down and lo and behold here comes the rest of the gorilla army like 40 or 50 guys with bazookas and machine guns you know coming up the road and they're like oh crap you know <laughs> Um. So yeah, I don't know. Just um, it's just just fun. I mean, I kind of want to keep watching it, mostly because <laughs> I want to see. Like I don't remember. I I remember just bits and pieces, just vague memories of the show itself. Like no very no specific episodes. Um. I do remember one episode where I think they are they're actually coming back from a mission and um, something happens and they uh, or one of them is actually injured from the previous mission and they're they have to like uh, make an emergency landing in this little hick town and and one of them is I, and I can't remember who I, I want to say it was BA but one of them is actually shot and kind of like in dire you know dire need of medical attention but then they have to but then they find themselves in another situation that they have to help people <laughs> so they can so they can get help themselves um, yeah but I'm, I'm I'm mildly curious to see if you know t- to see if the show develops the characters anymore like to, or to see if there's an actual story that takes place, you know, beyond just the job of the week. You know what I mean? Like is there a larger narrative? And maybe maybe I'm thinking too hard about this because it's the A team. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's an action show. Um and I never would have thought about this kind of stuff when I was a kid because it was just a cool show. Um and at that time, there was so much stuff. I mean, because you had the A team, you had Rambo. I mean, there was so much stuff coming out um, where Vietnam, the backdrop of Vietnam, was used as you know a story material, um, and that was uh, you know for for kids growing up, that was kind of it, not cool, but. I don't know, like, the, the idea that these Vietnam vets were out there, like, being cool and saving people and doing things, you know, it was kind of, I don't know, it was probably totally inappropriate at the time, but at the time, like I said, no one really, you know, it was different. Yeah. It was a different and, time. And we were so young at that time and oblivious to, you know, so much. Right, and so but were, maybe there, so maybe our there parents. was enough time. You know how, like, after a tragedy, after so long, after mm-hmm. some horrible thing, like it becomes okay, you know, to talk about it again or to, mm. uh, you know, even dare I say, joke and and things like that. Like maybe there was enough time between mm-hmm. Vietnam and and the start of the show that it wasn't like an awkward backdrop for the show. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't living that. So, yeah. and 
I think it made a difference that you know they they would mention Vietnam occasionally because I mean you know that's where the whole thing started from but it wasn't like you saw flashbacks to Vietnam or they told Nam stories or you know like a, a show today if, if the A-team was being made today it, it would be a, a, a totally different it would probably be a little more character driven they would you know you'd probably see flashbacks to Vietnam or mm-hmm. whatever you know war um you know they did the the A Team movie, which I don't know if you've you ever saw. Yeah, um, I did. Bradley Cooper, that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but they they show them in you know in in the war and the in but this was you know it's updated so it was Iraq. You know. Um, well, maybe there are flashbacks, and we just don't remember how many seasons did this go. Um, it ran five seasons. I don't know if they were full seasons. There's just so much that I don't remember. I suppose it's possible that there were flashbacks at at some point. Yeah, it's possible. But Um, overall, you're right. The overall feel of the show isn't so much about... It it was about telling a story every week. The horror of Vietnam. It was more about that Robin Hood aspect. Right. So yeah, that's why I said like it would it would probably probably be a completely different uh, different show now. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird. Like I'm just you know season five looks like there was only thirteen episodes, um, and there's okay. So there's a lot of stuff you know I didn't know that went on behind the scenes. Um, Again, take it with a grain of salt. This is from IMDb, but I feel kind of bad knowing this. But apparently, George Papard and Mr. T did not get along. Hmm. Um, that, especially after George Papard found out that Mr. T made more than him. Oh. And Mr. T was becoming the bigger star. Right. I mean, he was Mr. T. I mean, everybody knew Mr. T. Um. But George Rappard, who he was a, you know, he didn't like that because he was an actual actor. You know, he felt like he was, you know, he was a proper trained actor. Um, so even though he got top billing, Mr. T was the the more popular and the better paid star. Well, you know, when you think about us as kids watching it, yeah, I don't know who George Rappard is, but I know who Mr. T is. Oh, yeah. you're, you're drawing in... A whole like group, a whole genre of fans, just because Mr. T is part of the show. You know, I didn't know any of those other actors when I was a kid, but so I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. I kind of get why Mr. T maybe made more money. Um, but yeah, this is why you don't talk salaries at work, folks. <laughs> Very true. But I really, I really like George Papard. You know, the whole thing what I said before about the the characteristics, the quirks, and and mm-hmm. the unique qualities of each character. I think that's what makes for me. That's what makes the show so awesome. Um, and you know, the BA we talked about him. I loved, and as soon as Hannibal put the first 
costume on. He was the homeless person, mm-hmm. whatever. That all came back to me, like yeah. how much I loved seeing him in these different costumes. Yeah. And he was the master as of a kid, I, I just thought that was so cool, right? You know, um, and you know, face like his thing. I think was basically that you know he was a smooth talker. He could get people to go along with whatever he yeah. needed. Well, he was know? always running a scam. Right. But he, he knew how to do it. Like, he could kind of, you know, mm-hmm. the whole thing, the whole concept of how they pulled off this plan to go retrieve the the captured um, reporter under the guise of we're filming a movie mm-hmm. in this area... You know, at first, you know, first thought, it was like, okay, this is going to be kind of cheesy and whatever. But it was kind of just fun to see him, like, doing his thing in his element, kind of, like, mm-hmm. you know, well, if we don't have this, then it, you know, heads are going to roll or, or whatever he said. But just, you know, he got people to do mm-hmm. what he wanted them to do. Yeah. And that was, that's what makes his character fun thing. Well, well he, yeah, he did he did three things that uh, you know, when he busted Murdoch out, he was kind of the 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 stiff and by the book he pl- was like a military, he was like an army officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they scammed the plane to get to Mexico, he was this Texas oilman who was kind of sweet talking the the pretty young uh uh, person at the airport, and then, yeah, and then when they were in Mexico, like the way he scammed resources was by, you know, he was the <clears throat> the crazy, uh, you know, uh, Hollywood guy who was, um, you know, just overbearing and, um, you know, yeah, he was like, you know, he was able to get the locals to just give him what practically whatever he wanted you know with because of the promise of uh, you know 16 million dollars we're bringing in here and Lonnie Anderson <laughs> yeah well that was, and Bo <clears throat> Bo Derek and oh third one that was it was so funny who the, like the stars that they were talking about bringing mm-hmm. in but I'm like ah the 80s <laughs> um well and then Murdoch I think something I put in my notes about him is he's he lives in a mental institution mm-hmm. but there's you kind of is it me or do we do we always wonder is he really crazy i mean i feel like he he fakes being crazy and he's not really crazy he's actually quite intelligent but yeah he's he's actually a little bit crazy He's a little crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they ever really go deep into, you know, they just call him crazy, quote-unquote. Like, he's crazy. I think in the um, 80s you could just slap that label and, and right. be done with it. Yeah, people would believe it. Um, but, yeah, the, like all he does is just act. He, he just does all this, all these non-sequiturs, and he's just random and just pretends he has an invisible dog and... They're, you know that his feet are burning, so he's got to stay up on the on his dresser, and just <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but they, yeah. I, I forgot um, the, the other thing that's a constant in all these shows or the, all the episodes is how easily and how often they just busted him out of the the mental hospital. They just would... I'm like, how do they just do this all the time? You know? And... It, and then they just take him back. <laughs> why doesn't Why doesn't he just stay out? <laughs> you know, wouldn't it make it easier well, on everyone if he just stayed out? I think to a certain extent he likes being there and he likes this whole, you know, persona or or whatever. He had a Pac Man machine in his room for Pete's sake. His room was. Who wouldn't want to live there? His room was pretty decked out. Yeah. He had like two video games. He had a basketball hoop. Yeah. Um, he had a TV, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, for the 80s, I mean, he was living large right. in a mental hospital. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe Face Man hooked him up with all that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think, I don't know if I have anything else to say about it other than, um, oh, I love the fact that they went to Acapulco. Because it's in my notes. <laughs> it's right here in my notes. <laughs> Because I'm like, that's such an 80s thing. Like, everybody went to Acapulco. As soon as they said, we have to go to Acapulco, I was like, oh my god, are you meeting the love boat? Because the love boat, if they weren't in Puerto Vallarta, they were in Acapulco. I mean, that's just like a given. But... They should have had a crossover episode with the A-team and the love boat. Oh my god, that would be fabulous. That would be amazing. But yeah, that was just another (laughs) piece of, like, the whole 80s nostalgia... Uh, that I was saying before between the the hair and the costumes and the cars and just everything Mm -hmm. but you know Acapulco that sounds right where else would you go in Mexico in 1983 there's nowhere else to go you know (laughs) but yeah definitely had that in my notes Um, well do you have anything else I think I think we pretty much yeah, I mean, I think um, it's pretty clear at this point in time. Like, we're both pretty happy and would continue to watch this show, dare yeah. I say. Um, which is the other thing that we do. We we say if we would like to continue watching the show. And kind of talk about, like, has it held up over time? And I think the thing about this show is... It met a certain standard for 1983, but with effects and, um, you know, just the the power to, I think, um, win people over, do believable types of things. It might be a harder sell today. Nobody ever gets hurt, except for that one episode that you just mentioned. Yeah. But, you know, there's so many near misses, and... Hannibal is throwing grenade after grenade, and these jeeps are flipping, and and everybody just gets up and walks away. You know, yeah. it's, so that aspect is a little bit unbelievable. And I think today, in 2016, something like that, it just wouldn't fly. Yeah, but I, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, I mean, they, I, I felt like the when they did the movie, I thought they did a pretty good job of bringing it into the present. And, and and that movie wasn't wasn't so over the top that they they probably that they couldn't 
adapt something like that for for television if they you know if they so chose but um yeah i don't know i think they could do an a-team show it would just um i i I don't know if the fan base is still there Mm -hmm. you know but well i had a good time watching it because i got to be reminded of these four Mm -hmm. characters who I had grown to like individually to Mm -hmm. love Um, and I like I said before I think that's what makes the show is their you know their various personalities and things like that and you know I kind of want to keep at least watch one more episode because there's a couple of things that they did not have in this pilot episode. The van. The van. Though that's one of them, and which I, I thought that you know that I mean Ba's van was almost as much a character as you know as anyone else. Um, you know I mean that's a it's a you know you show you know people a picture of that van and they know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the opening is is classic. And I'm, I'm going to read this real quick, if you don't mind. Sure. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. That always made me... That I always thought was cool. Like, the idea of a Los Angeles underground. <laughs> like, that's awesome. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help... And if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A team. Yes, yes. Yeah, there was the machine gun fire, and then the music. Dun, 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 dun. All right, we gotta go because we have to put the next episode on. <laughs> Damn straight. Um, yeah, but you know, oh, oh, and Dark Benedict. We didn't get to see Dark Benedict right. as Face Man, and so those were, you know, those are the only three things. That this pilot did not have, um, and, and and the pilot, oh, like I said, it was aired as a TV movie, so it didn't have the traditional opening. It just opened with a title card that just said the A Team, and then like the opening credits. There was no, they played the music several times throughout the episode during like action scenes, and right. chases, and gunfire, gun you know gunfights, um, but it wasn't part of the opening. There was, like I said, the the opening was actually kind of um, pretty low key, you know. Um, but yeah, that's I, that's you know. I, I definitely want to watch another episode just so I can kind of you know. Got to get our fix. Get that fix. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get the jazz. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, uh, I think we pretty much covered just about everything we could possibly cover. I think so. All right. So, um, and I think we could we would recommend this to anyone who is probably around our age, <laughs> yeah. late thirties, early forties, or older. Um, you know, it's on Netflix. Um, it's on Amazon Prime. I don't think it's on Hulu. But if you don't have any of those services, it's probably they probably have episodes on YouTube. So I would just you know go find an episode. We'll sit down, watch it. It's a lot of fun. It'll bring you know 
bring back a little bit of your childhood. Definitely. So, <laughs> all right. Well, this has been episode eight of the Pilot Season podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jen. And we'll see you next time.